This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series called Blooded, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpern. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one case, but almost a dozen. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Gym Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Dear Governor is a production of iHeartMedia and 3 Much Media. Dear Governor Newsom. Dear Mr. Governor Newsom. This is an open letter to Governor Gavin Newsom. Dear Governor Newsom. After the California Supreme Court hears a habeas corpus appeal for a capital crime, they have 90 days with which to file their opinion. We had already surpassed the nine-week mark following Jarvis Masters' appeal, so we knew the decision was impending, soon to be delivered to our inboxes. Anyone can stay apprised of ongoing Supreme Court cases by signing up at courts.ca.gov. At the 66-day mark, we all received an email with a subject line, Supreme Court of California case notifications for S-130495, the body of which read, Notice of forthcoming opinion to be filed in three days. And three days later, 21 days before their deadline, the eagerly anticipated email read, The Supreme Court of California, opinion available online, and then in parentheses, concurrence. I lost, and it was unanimously. That hurt it real bad, you know, but I just, you know, sucked it up for a while. I, I did a lot of meditation and a lot of sitting and a lot of thinking. And one thing I was very, very confident in months out of this decision was that I will try to feel in the same place, ready to accept whatever outcome that is. Jarvis's lawyers had filed his habeas petition in 2005. It took the California Supreme Court 14 excruciatingly long years to address the petition, and then 69 short days to reaffirm what they had already decided. Had the court moved with any sense of urgency or a bare minimum respect for the goal of a speedy trial, there is a possibility, however remote it might have been, that Jarvis could have already moved through the federal appeals a far less politically fraught system, and inhaled the wonders of freedom. When I heard about the decision, 
my immediate reaction was I was crushed. Uh, I felt crushed to the bone. And I was hoping that no one asked me these questions about what it felt like, you know, because to me it would have been like I was a specimen or a subject or uh, 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 something to look at. And I didn't want to be that way. Mm-hmm. Um, I describe it as having just had your wisdom teeth pulled out and someone's trying to hold a conversation with you. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it hurt it in that way. So that was my first, you know, that's how I responded to it. And over the next 10, 15 hours or so, I had to straighten up, you know. I had to figure out how to straighten up off this, you know. And when it comes down to your freedom after so long, you really deep down inside, you know, want this. You want to win this. And it caught up to me that the idea of losing is one more long, long time of being in prison for zero, for nothing. And no one knew how, and I was saying this to myself, no one knows how long a day is. I am fucking with someone that doesn't know what a day feels like innocent on death row. They have no idea. They may get upset because I'm upset. You know, what world are you guys living in? Concerns that were key in the 2005 petition included, but were not limited to, prosecutorial misconduct, newly discovered evidence, and ineffective counsel. His appellate attorneys at the time wrote that his death sentence rested on evidence that the prosecution had known or should have known was, quote, inflammatory, unreliable, untrue, and or misleading. In so many words, I had to now hold everybody up. I had to now play the role of don't worry about this, okay, blah, blah, blah. You know, that was just, that was role-playing. Because I knew no one would understand where I was really at, you know. Silence for me was the biggest hug I, I could have gotten. I just felt like every time someone talked to me or uh, I was able to call somebody, I had I had to explain. People were calling you, but you felt like you had to comfort them. All the time. It just feels like I was the strongest shoulder for people to uh, lean on. And if I was feeling upset, they will feel upset. So my attitude was not to feel upset because I knew it would create a lot of unhealthy ways for me personally. The star witness against Jarvis was a black guerrilla family member by the name of Rufus Willis who testified under grant of immunity from prosecution at the 1990 trial that he had been in the prison yard when the BGF gang were planning the assassination of Officer Birchfield, where it was agreed, he said, that Jarvis would provide the tip of the spear. In the preliminary hearing, Rufus Willis described Jarvis as standing 5'7", chubby with a stomach, wearing glasses, clean-shaven, and free of tattoos. Note, in fact, that Jarvis Masters is six foot one, slender, didn't wear any glasses, had a mustache and goatee with a tattoo on his left cheek. An inmate named Harold Richardson, however, confessed to playing the role in the crime that Rufus had attributed to Jarvis and fit the physical description Rufus had articulated to a T. Seems like a slam dunk for reasonable doubt, right? 
Just have him testify before the jury. Not so fast. Harold Richardson refused to testify, citing his right against self-incrimination. Jarvis's counsel pleaded with the judge to grant immunity for prosecution, but for whatever reason, the judge refused. Jarvis's counsel also pleaded with the judge to allow expert testimony regarding the unreliability of jailhouse informants, and for whatever reason, she refused that plea as well. Do you feel like you're losing hope? You know what? And now you're talking about, well, I can hear the Buddhist thing come out of me here. For me, I don't, I don't want to get into what hope supposed to do for me right now, you know? I don't, I don't think hope's going to, that's going to help me resolve where I'm at. I just don't think hope is a necessary thing to have right now. I think it's really unhealthy. I think it has no real value to it. And I think that I'll be chasing something that, you know, I don't know where it will go one way or the other. And hope's not going to be responsible for that. I would not let that be my response. I would not give hope that responsibility. In other words, I really don't want to put hope on front street, you know. So I think that is a very, very Buddhist way of saying, you know, hope is, is not an issue that you should put everything into. Okay, what do you want to put on front street if not hope? The idea of not expecting anything. Work with that. Why do I need to spend time trying to effect one outcome from the other? To not be that smart to know and to live in that space of unknown, not knowing. That's a very comfortable space if you can control it, if it can be maintained. How do you do that? Oh, man, I don't really know. You know, <laughs> I know what the practice is. I really don't know how to do that. I can give you the basic, you know, instruction, but I don't I don't know how it works and that's what they call a, a pra- what a practice is. You get better at it, you discover more, it becomes more of a way of thinking, it's supposed to create balance in your life. Uh, quit trying to tell yourself what you don't know. I mean, that's just the way I see it in prison. I mean, I, I I teach this kind of stuff to people. So, I mean, my way of saying it to a lot of guys in here is, you know, quit trying to tell you know yourself you know something when you don't. All you're going to do is fall asleep and want some, want some Tylenols because of it. Leave it alone. Try to be in the best place when it happens. So just be in a place of, not knowing what you, what you really don't supposed to know anything about. And be smart enough to think that you don't need to know what you're not going to be told to you until it happens. Mother's Day is coming, and Mom doesn't want flowers. She wants a cocktail. Here's a hint. Get Mom Bartesian. It's the countertop cocktail maker that creates your choice of over 60 premium cocktails in less than 30 seconds, each at the touch of a button. Flowers die. Happy hour comes back every day. So get Mom the machine that makes amazing cocktails with real fruit juices and craft bitters. Best of all, get $50 off a Bartesian premium cocktail maker with the purchase of one pack of cocktail capsules. 
So, instead of getting mom a reason to fill a flower vase with water, get mom the easiest, fastest way to fill her glass with the floral notes of gin. The best cocktails are premium cocktails, and the best day to get it for mom is Mother's Day, because you can get $50 off now for a limited time. Visit B-A-R-T-E-S-I-A-N.com backslash mother to get the best premium cocktail maker for mom at the best price for you. Artesian, premium cocktails on demand. Are you ready to take charge of your health journey? Look no further than Trinity School of Natural Health. With their flexible online programs, you can receive the comprehensive education you need to care for your loved ones or step into the thriving field of natural health. Why choose Trinity? Because their programs offer more than just coursework. You'll interact with experienced instructors, connect with like-minded peers, and even participate in optional live events to hone your skills. If you've ever thought about becoming a certified natural health professional, the CNHP program at Trinity School of Natural Health is the perfect certification course. You'll equip yourself with the knowledge and skills to make a real difference in the lives of others. Turn your passion for natural health into a rewarding career. Visit trinityschool.org today to learn more about the Certified Natural Health Professional Certification Program. Go to trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Trinity School of Natural Health. Transform your life. Transform the world. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpern. It's just a shame, you know, that they took him from us. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, knocking on doors, uncovering new evidence, including the DNA of a potential killer. Uh, my name is Danny Smith. I'm a detective uh, with Miramar Police Department. This is Scott Weinberger. We're actually reopening an old case, and your name came up. Untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one murder, but almost a dozen. I thought they were going to kill me, so I kept my mouth shut, and I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say anything. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Lawrence Woodard, the man who was accused of masterminding the murder of Sergeant Birchfield, was sentenced to life without possibility of parole. Andre Johnson, the man who was accused of a single stab wound that severed Sergeant Birchfield's pulmonary artery, was sentenced to life without the possibility of parole. Jarvis Masters, accused of manufacturing the tip of the spear, was sentenced to death after a penalty phase hearing at which a prisoner named Johnny Hose, a member of the Black Gorilla family, testified that Jarvis had bragged about murdering a San Quentin prisoner in 1984, though this case had never been adjudicated. Subsequent to the trials and sentencing, all three states' witnesses, Rufus Willis, Bobby Evans, and Johnny Hose, have recanted and sworn statements saying that they had lied at the trial in hopes of obtaining favorable treatment for themselves. The Rufus Willis statement also said that he had coerced Jarvis, out of fear for his own safety, to write the incriminating kites which Masters copied from the writings of Willis and Woodard. Finally, Andre Johnson, Jarvis's co-defendant convicted of actually stabbing Birchfield to death, provided a sworn statement saying that Masters had no role in the murder. Were you surprised when they came back with the death penalty? Yes. 
Jeffrey Rotwein, lead defense counsel for Jarvis Masters from 1986 to 1990. Jarvis testified, and he was very compelling, very believable, very likable, very human, very warm, sympathetic. You know, he told a story about his life that was, you know, really sad, uh, very upsetting. And, you know, he, he testified to the jury, I thought, in a very communicative way. And then we had other experts on the stand about, you know, his background. Craig Haney was, was excellent. So, yeah, I was surprised that, that they came back with death. Very, very surprised. Do you remember talking to Jarvis about it after? Oh, sure. Oh, yeah. How, how was that? Did you hug him? Well, it was hard. So, yeah, it was, it was difficult speaking with him. But, you know, he Jarvis is, is, a, is a tough, strong guy, you know? And he's a real fighter, and I really grew to like Jarvis, you know, and uh, like him very much. Like him and feel for him and have sympathy for him and as as a human being, as a person who was able to actually pull himself out of, you know, that whole gang prison culture and the criminal culture. Um, so I have a great deal of respect for him. And number one, number two, there was so much evidence that was kept from us. Um, there's so much of the bad evidence that has flipped over, has reversed that, you know, if he were tried now, whether I would handle it or another defense lawyer would handle it, you know, they'd get an acquittal. I think there's this overwhelming reasonable doubt that Jarvis was, was guilty of the crimes. That's what I feel. So I'm glad you're doing this work. It's very important. He should not be on death row. He shouldn't be in prison actually for this crime. You know, it's really a tragedy. Um, it really is, you know, it's really unfair. How did you hear the decision? Who told you? How did you find out? I heard from at least a dozen people, you know. They were coming at me from all over the place. And what I noticed about most of them was they wanted a response. They wanted to know my first reaction. And they wanted to know it in a way that it felt really, really sickening to me. It's almost like people are looking right down, right down your throat and wanting to know what it's supposed to feel like, you know. How does it feel for that to happen? I'm sorry, but I really want to know how you're dealing with this. I want to look in your eyes and see something, you know, that, that only I can see. I mean, that kind of stuff. So I think what happened was I dealt with it by trying to fear show I was not defeated, you know, mm -hmm. and I was ready to take it to the next level that it's not as bad as it was supposed to be. Mm -hmm. You know, the court basically pitched us with some really good issues, and that was the issue by Lou and the other justice. These are two issues that really we can really, really build on. The two issues that Jarvis is referencing that may help as he navigates the federal appeals process were written by California Supreme Court Justice Goodwin Liu in his concurring opinion on Jarvis's habeas corpus petition. He writes, We have no occasion in this posture to consider whether, in light of the trial evidence as well as the reference hearing and findings, we can be confident of the verdict beyond a reasonable doubt. And two, quote, nor do we have occasion here to consider whether, in light of all of the relevant circumstances, 
the fact that Masters was sentenced to death while his co-defendants were not may be indicative of arbitrariness in the application of the death penalty. I had the last guy killed, executed, was on my watch with my wow. client in 2006. And that's another thing that makes me so sick of the death penalty. I'll tell you, when you have that kind of direct experience of it, as well as the experience of standing up there next to my client Jarvis and having the judge condemn him to death. Attorney Michael Satris sat second chair on Jarvis's defense team from 1985 through 1990 and his death penalty sentence. I've always been against the death penalty. I get a bad taste in my mouth from it. And every experience that I have of it, to me, just shows how wrong and arbitrary and capricious it is. And for Jarvis to end up with the death penalty when Woodard jury hangs on the issue, which is the same jury we had, mm-hmm. Woodard is the, he's the true believer, if anybody is, in participation in the gang. He is indisputably mm-hmm. the leader of those three. So the jury hangs on him and then comes back with the death penalty for Jarvis. And then you have Johnson, the actual killer, who gets the death penalty by his jury, and the judge modifies it, because it is kind of arbitrary. He's sort of the fall guy in some ways, from Woodard and and the higher-ups picking him as as the good soldier who wants to make his bones and whatever to commit the uh, killing, but he, he he's kind of just this not very bright, innocent young man. And so the judge, to me, that was a very good move on her part. And then we come up for pronouncement of judgment, and by all rights, by all signs of justice and whatever should have been modified. In reference to the three states' witnesses recanting their testimony, the California Supreme Court wrote that while Jarvis had demonstrated them to be generally liars, he does not offer any persuasive reason to credit their recantations over their trial testimony. In other words, we know that prison snitches are prison snitches. We know that prison snitches lie when it benefits them. We know that there is a chance that they were lying in the original trial. And there's an equal chance that they lied in their recantations. And because of that, we unanimously endorse the execution of a man. Because, you know, we really don't know. In this prison context, yeah, I mean, you're accurate in observing that these people, many of them, the snitches, are are unreliable. They tell different stories. Jeffrey Rotwine, again, lead defense counsel for Jarvis during his murder trial. We attacked Rufus Willis. We attacked, you know, Johnny Hose, Bobby Evans, the people that were, you know, cooperating with uh, with the government. And typically there's a whole history of cooperation, you know, and, 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 and requests for leniency or money or reduction in sentences or dismissal of, of cases. And you have to kind of rely on the institution, the district attorney and the, you know, the prison and the Department of, of uh, 
corrections, you know, to disclose and and produce all the, the records and information bearing on that person's character and background and motives for testifying. Mother's Day is coming, and mom doesn't want flowers. She wants a cocktail. Here's a hint. Get mom Bartesian. It's the countertop cocktail maker that creates your choice of over 60 premium cocktails in less than 30 seconds, each at the touch of a button. Flowers die. Happy hour comes back every day. So get mom the machine that makes amazing cocktails with real fruit juices and craft bitters. Best of all, get $50 off a Bartesian premium cocktail maker with the purchase of one pack of cocktail capsules. So, instead of getting mom a reason to fill a flower vase with water, get mom the easiest, fastest way to fill her glass with the floral notes of gin. The best cocktails are premium cocktails, and the best day to get it for mom is Mother's Day, because you can get $50 off now for a limited time. Visit B-A-R-T-E-S-I-A-N.com backslash mother to get the best premium cocktail maker for mom at the best price for you. Artesian, premium cocktails on demand. Are you ready to take charge of your health journey? Look no further than Trinity School of Natural Health. With their flexible online programs, you can receive the comprehensive education you need to care for your loved ones or step into the thriving field of natural health. Why choose Trinity? Because their programs offer more than just coursework. You'll interact with experienced instructors, connect with like-minded peers, and even participate in optional live events to hone your skills. If you've ever thought about becoming a certified natural health professional, the CNHP program at Trinity School of Natural Health is the perfect certification course. You'll equip yourself with the knowledge and skills to make a real difference in the lives of others. Turn your passion for natural health into a rewarding career. Visit trinityschool.org today to learn more about the Certified Natural Health Professional Certification Program. Go to trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Trinity School of Natural Health. Transform your life. Transform the world. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpert. It's just a shame, you know, that they took him from us. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, knocking on doors, uncovering new evidence, including the DNA of a potential killer. Uh, my name is Danny Smith. I'm a detective uh, with the Miramar Police Department. This is Scott Weinberger. We're actually reopening an old case, and your name came up. Untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one murder, but almost a dozen. I thought they were going to kill me, so I kept my mouth shut, and I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say anything. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I asked Larry Marshall, a professor of law at Stanford who happens to be consulting on Jarvis's case, now that the habeas corpus opinion has been rendered on the state level, what is next for Jarvis? So the next step, after one goes through the state system of the direct appeal and then the habeas, is we give a defendant, capital or otherwise, the right to go into federal court and to show that the state court was unreasonable in rejecting his or her constitutional claims. So it's not enough 
to convince a federal judge that my rights have been violated and that I should have been given relief. You have to show, and this is since since 1996, the Anti-Terrorism and Effective Death Penalty Act, you have to show that the state court was reasonable, that it unreasonably applied settled law, settled Supreme Court, United States Supreme Court precedent. So it's a very high burden. But on the other hand, it's a burden that is met at times uh, in outrageous cases. And it also has to be, the claims have to be federal constitutional claims. And, and this is a very, this federal habeas is a very odd bird in the structure of our court system because it kind of puts, it does put a federal district court judge and then a federal court of appeals in the role of reviewing the reasonableness of what the state Supreme Court has done. We don't do that in civil cases. In civil cases, if there's a federal issue, you go straight to the Supreme Court. You don't get to go into federal court and have a judge sort of second guess at some level what the state court has done. But again, because we do recognize that constitutional rights in the criminal setting are particularly cherished, we do provide, we do provide this remedy. And just as an historical note, it was born in large part over the fact that, let's say, during Reconstruction, a lot of states in the South were not respecting the constitutional rights of Black defendants. So Congress had a mechanism. They had, those defendants had a mechanism of going into court um, and saying to the federal court, look, our constitutional rights are being violated. And there was a sense that the federal courts would be more independent and more willing to recognize those constitutional rights. I've told Jarvis that I will work very hard to help put together a terrific team of of lawyers, pro bono lawyers, who will uh, take on his representation in federal court. That I will be more than willing to consult with those lawyers as they as they as they work through the case and to be. you know, part of the team in that sense, um, in an informal, in an informal way. But uh, I do, you know, believe deeply that he needs to get some lawyers who are, you know, both passionate and, and brilliant and uh, and uh, very eager to get involved in a uh, in an injustice like this. I asked Larry what he believes that we as a society owe to those who have languished on death row and in prison in general, only to be found innocent years, if not decades later, after their incarceration. I believe that, and this might sound corny, um, which I guess is appropriate. (laughs) But I'm pumped. There you go. (laughs) I, I... I believe that the main thing we owe them is to learn from our mistakes. Is the main thing we owe them is that their pain have not been in vain and that um, other people will not suffer uh, because of what they went through and what we've learned. Now, that's not all that we were. We owe them. We owe them. We, we need to make them whole as best we can. We really can't. Part of the way we do that is through money uh, and judgments and, and the ability to try to rebuild 
or build a life. Um, and I think those are vital as well. But it does seem to me as a society that if we go through that with an individual, we learn that the individual was wrongly convicted, and then we nonetheless just go back to business as usual. That is just this massive slap in the face to the person who's been exonerated and to people coming down the pike. The late Geronimo Pratt served two tours in Vietnam where he earned two bronze stars, a silver star, and two purple stars. When he returned to the States, he became a high-ranking member of the Black Panther Party and was eventually imprisoned in San Quentin for 27 years for a murder he did not commit and was awarded $4.5 million from federal and local governments as settlement in a wrongful imprisonment suit. Here we have Geronimo on tape decades ago bearing witness to his friend Jarvis J. Masters at the launch party for Jarvis's first book, Finding Freedom, Writings from Death Row. I um, met Jarvis Masters in prison while we were in the hole in San Quentin's Adjustment Center shortly after he was charged with the uh, murder of uh, Sergeant Burstfield in 1985. Uh, I should say wrongfully charged. And um, he's a very beautiful brother. I kind of to did like I do with, uh, I did with most youngsters, kind of took him under my wing for a minute, the brief time we were together. And uh, I noticed that specialness about him that made him stand apart from most youngsters his age. And uh, later on when I learned that he had written a book and that he had continued his, his practices, and to his uh, disciplines that we had been trying to promote as older prisoners. And I was very proud of that. And then when I got the book and read it, then I knew he was there. And so uh, even though he sits on death row and facing death, I was also up there for 18 months. But I was not facing officially the death penalty. I know what it's like. But now that I know he has reached this nirvana, this level, and I'm, I'm sure that Jarvis is, is in a safe place, even though he still physically needs our help to get him off of death row. And hopefully through these uh, methods and channels, uh, we, we'll be able to generate enough uh, support, enough funds or whatever to effect his release from uh, the gallows. And I want to encourage all of you to get this book, read it, you will find a lot of knowledge and a lot of freedom in this book. And it might sound strange that you will find freedom from a guy locked up, but take my word for it. Read this book, you will find a lot of freedom. Where do we find our freedom? I describe situations where someone has a very, very beautiful home, a two-door garage right off the beach, great job a trained dog, you know what I mean? And how their lives are so miserable at the same time. Their life is so miserable. And every time they pull out the parking lot, they don't, there's a stretch of beach that they never get to see. Going to work and coming back. And to think that you have all these opportunities to 
find your own freedom, to be blessed, to be fortunate, to not have that, but always with a sense of being on death row, is doesn't have to be in prison. You know, you can't, don't do that. Don't learn just from people in prison on death row in, in San Quentin. Learn from the the misery that you see other people have when they when they're alcoholics, or when they are dope fiends, are very abusive to their spouse. Where violence is right in the next door, not necessarily uh, on the streets. You know, just because you're out doesn't mean that you're free. That's a myth. That's a very very clear myth to me. And I learned that to be being a Buddhist. I really did. That, that's something that I can directly relate to. Having exhausted his state appeals, Jarvis now heads to the federal courts. Brian Stevenson of the Equal Justice Initiative introduced Jarvis to Stanford professor Larry Marshall, who in turn introduced Jarvis to the prestigious international law firm Kirkland & Ellis. They have recently committed to represent Jarvis pro bono in his federal habeas proceedings and other post-conviction proceedings. His lead attorney, William F. Williams, said, After decades of litigation in the California state courts, we now have the opportunity to raise in federal courts the serious constitutional issues that deprive Jarvis of a fair trial, and we look forward to presenting his claims to a federal judge. We will continue to support Jarvis and help tell his story far and wide as the riveting details unfold. And we remain optimistic that Governor Gavin Newsom will hear our open letter and revisit the unjust case of Jarvis J. Masters. The vast majority of legal insights into Jarvis's substantial claims of innocence were published in the article Unrequited Innocence in U.S. Capital Cases, Unintended Consequences of the Fourth Kind by Rob Warden and John Seasley published in the Northwestern Journal of Law and Social Policy in the spring of 2019. Not only does this fascinating read profile Jarvis's case, but the cases involving 24 more condemned men and women whom the authors believe to be innocent as well. We link to the article in our show notes. Special thanks to Alan Sanaki for providing legal insights into Jarvis's case as well. Today's episode was written and produced by Donna Vazari and myself, Corny Cole. Our theme song, Sentenced, is compliments of the band Stick Figure from their album Set in Stone. Stu Sternbach has composed the original music. Nate DeFort did the sound design. Visit FreeJarvis.org to find out more about Jarvis's case and to sign your name to our Dear Governor Newsom petition. And if you have questions for Jarvis, please leave a message on our hotline at 201-903-3575. That's 201-903-3575. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Are you ready to take charge of your health journey? Look no further than Trinity School of Natural Health. With their flexible online programs, you can receive the comprehensive education you need to care for your loved ones or step into the thriving field of natural health. Why choose Trinity? Because their programs offer more than just coursework. 
You'll interact with experienced instructors, connect with like-minded peers, and even participate in optional live events to hone your skills. If you've ever thought about becoming a certified natural health professional, the CNHP program at Trinity School of Natural Health is the perfect certification course. You'll equip yourself with the knowledge and skills to make a real difference in the lives of others. Turn your passion for natural health into a rewarding career. Visit trinityschool.org today to learn more about the Certified Natural Health Professional Certification Program. Go to trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Trinity School of Natural Health. Transform your life. Transform the world. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series called Blooded, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpern. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one case, but almost a dozen. Listen to Cold Blooded, the Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi guys, Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.